Hey, hey, I'm Frank, and this is Blatant Frankism, a podcast that introduces new perspectives and experiences into the community consciousness and dialogue by talking to people that represent various generations and walks of life. We, the community, are creating our own narrative. Our weekly conversations will reveal the truth about those interviewed, the issues they care about, and their view of the world. Who knows? One day it could be you, your issue, and your view. Storytelling is resistance. Let's get it. As an educator, I can't do this without an objective in mind. So our objective, no. Our smart goal for this and every week is that by the end of today's show, we will all learn something about ourselves and the world as we each see both and take an action step on a personal or collective level that reflects this learning. Let's get into it. Let's warm up. Question. What is burnout? According to HelpGuide.org's Burnout Prevention and Treatment Guide, burnout is a state of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. It occurs when you feel overwhelmed, overwhelmed, excuse me, emotionally drained and unable to meet constant demands. As the stress continues, you begin to lose the interest and motivation that led you to take on a certain role in the first place. Burnout reduces productivity and saps your energy, leaving you feeling increasingly helpless, hopeless, cynical, and resentful. You may feel like you have nothing more to give. The negative effects of burnout spill over into every area of life, including your home, work, and social life. Burnout can also cause long-term changes to your body that make you vulnerable to illnesses like colds and flu. Because of its many consequences, it's important to deal with burnout right away. Now, I'm sure I didn't need to tell you that last part because, you know, I'm sure I really didn't need to describe burnout to you. We've all either neared burnt out, being burnt out, know someone who's burnt out. We're all pushing, pushing, pushing and neglecting, 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 right? Pushing to get things done. Take care of this. Take care of that. Handle this. Handle that. Make sure I meet this deadline. Got to get here to pick this up. Got to make sure we get there. And although it it, it affects everyone or, or can affect everyone, I'm sure I also don't need to tell you that women are more likely to burn out than men, you know. In particular, black women. That's the focus right now. You know, there's this thing, uh, they call it a superwoman syndrome. What's that you say? Oh, you've heard of that. Oh, you haven't? Oh, kind of. Alright, let me, let, let, me, let me tell you what that is. At its core, superwoman syndrome is just, um, it's a description, you know, of, of a state of having to do it all. You know, there's this motivation to just handle everything, to be everything for everyone, okay? You know, let's make sure the kids are taken care of. Let's make sure the house is clean. Let me get to work. What time is soccer practice? Do you have band tonight? Oh, you need this report by the deadline? Oh, no, let me go get that class. Oh, well, hold on. I'll start that machine. Oh, let me get this document for Everything, every minute. Oh, you need to go somewhere this weekend? Yeah, I got you. Okay, well, I get off work at 5. I'll be there at 6. Everything to everybody. Every second of your day is dedicated to somebody else, and that somebody ain't you. 
right? And there's pressure, there's stress that comes along with that. I mean, the stress we all would assume, you know, stuff is just, you know, I got a lot to do, I'm stressed out. But there's the internal stress as well. There's your, this is what your body is going through, right? And at the end of the day, if your body says, hey, I'm done, what do you do? Nothing. Nothing else to do at that point. And so we have to be able to get to these these points in our lives where we can say, hey, this is what's crucial. This is what's important. This is what's good for me. And this is what I'm going to do. And I'm only going to do these things. And I'll do those things when I have the time to do those things, when I feel like doing those things, when I will assign some time to those things to help whoever and whatever else. Because I got my best life to get to, right? And at the end of the day, if I can't take care of me, I can't take care of anybody else anyway. And even if I was handling all of those things, the relationships weren't being developed truly. I don't know. But if you need to turn to somebody when you get to that point, you need to be able to go somewhere when you feel yourself breaking down, right? Or you need to be able to have to have a, 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 a place to tell somewhere else to go if you see someone breaking down. But where do you go? And who do you turn to? Right? What are these what are these spaces and these people who can help you get through it? Because I I'll tell you, it seems daunting. It seems daunting. Especially when you take into account that you're already stressed. Well, I tell you what. <laughs> I have someone in some place for you. Someone in some place for you. And someone is a good friend. Adama Hamadi. And that place is Dream Leap Live LLC. Here's a little bit about her. Adama Hamadi, delicious living coach at Dream Leap Live LLC, is the human permission slip for ambitious visionaries that have an innate drive to perform at a high level but feel too scattered to give their goals the attention they deserve. Adama has a background in trauma-informed case management, solution-focused brief therapy, SFBT, and workshop facilitation. Through one-on-one -on -one coaching, mentoring, and training, Adama helps burnt-out superwomen free up time and energy to do the work that matters. She is passionate about helping women find their voices and take back their power so they can enjoy a truly delicious, burnout-proof life of ease, joy, and meaning. Here's our interview with Adama Hamadi. Well, good morning. Thank you, Adama, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Oh, I said morning. <laughs> good, after good afternoon. My apologies. Um, so can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself that wasn't included in um, the bio? Sure. I would describe myself as a proud womanist, a recovering approval addict, and a type A free spirit that believes in the healing power of solid systems and bulletproof boundaries, and I'm on a mission to eradicate superwoman syndrome. Ooh. Superwoman syndrome. Um, you said you are um a recovering, recovering from. Yes. What can you explain that a little more? Yeah. Um. 
I had a history of going out of my way to do what I thought other people expected of me. And I got really good at twisting and molding and code switching and bending to be what I thought other people needed me to be. Um, but I learned how to find my own foundation. And that's essentially a big piece of what I teach to my clients. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, can you uh, tell me what, what was um, your driving force or the impetus behind the founding of Dream Leap Live, LLC? Yeah, well, uh, I guess I would have to start at the scariest point of my life, I think. Mm. Um, it was a little a little less than eight years ago. I fainted mid-lesson in front of 23 terrified sixth graders. I had been leading a sexual literacy workshop, and I fainted mid-lesson. Ended up waking up in the emergency room. I had a blood clot in my lung, and my doctor was warning me that I was going to have a heart attack if I didn't get my stress under control. Mm. So um, I realized then that I had been so desperate to be accepted by other people that I had been completely ignoring and neglecting my health. I had signs that things were not wrecked as far as my heart was concerned, mm-hmm. but I felt like I had to keep going. I had to keep working. I had to keep pushing. I was just too busy to notice that my body was shutting down. Um, But when I woke up, I had to decide, like, I had no intention of dying at 25. Nothing to show for my life. So I made a decision that I was going to seriously live. I decided I was done wasting my time. I was done wasting my energy. I was done trying to be everything for everyone and ignore what I wanted to be for myself. And I decided that I was going to recreate my life. Mm. I was going to like the typical type A that I was, I was going to come up with a system or something that was going to help me take back control of my schedule so I felt like me. And so I didn't feel resentful or stewing or unhealthy trying to be what other people wanted of me. Um, And so I knew that I was going to have to do my life differently if I wanted to save it. And so I decided to train my brain to stop trying to prove my worth and to like, It'll be free and have the peace of mind that I used to envy in other people. And once I got clear on that, I became virtually unrecognizable to all the people in my life that had benefited from me needing to be needed. Mm. And when the people around me realized that I was different, they were asking me, like, hey, girl, you're walking different, you're talking different. Like, what, what exactly is going on here? And when I realized that it was something people wanted to know, I started teaching because at heart, that's what I am, a teacher. And so I started teaching what I had been doing and guiding people through that system and started monetizing it, and it became a whole business. Wow. Okay. Um, so but how, how, how did you – I know it wasn't an easy process. You know, you, so you, you said you had to, like, kind of train your brain in a certain way. How did, how did you go about that? Because, I mean, I know that, you know, people – feel these needs and feel and they have these desires and they want to do these things but it's not really easy and if you don't really have that I guess that intrinsic motivation or, or that support system you know how do you get it done so how how did you go about doing that yeah so I have always been an avid reader I've always been what I would call a personal development junkie so I was, okay. I was looking into reading what was going on with me because I didn't like being stuck in that place, and I didn't like not being good at something. Mm. So I had to learn how to figure out how to get good at this so I could save my life. I made it like a whole studying experience. 
And um, I was also in therapy at the time. One of the best decisions I've ever made. I went to a therapist who explained to me that our thoughts create our feelings, which determine our actions, which determine our results. So I figured out that if I wanted to see different results in my life, I was going to have to practice thinking something else. And so I wanted to train my brain to look for proof that what I wanted to believe was true. And so I started, you know, looking for books that taught me how to change the way I think about things and the way I look at things. And I was reading, um, are you familiar with Martha Vett? No. Okay. Um, she is a real life coach. She's very out there as far as life coaching goes. Even for a life coach, I can say she is far, far left in the Google. Mm-hmm. And um, she wrote a book called Finding Your Own North Star. And in that book, I discovered the concept of life design. Like, it never occurred to me that I could create the life I wanted, but that really spoke to the type A professionist in me. Like, oh, yes, I'm going to be good at creating the life that I want. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to design this, and I'm going to control it and restore the sense of control over my life. So I read that, and that really put the switch for me. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, reading through... <laughs> The bio. Can you please ex- tell me what exactly a uh, delicious living coach is? Yes. <laughs> um, so, delicious living coach is a term that I created just because I'm greedy. I like food. I like things that taste good. And, <laughs> um, that's essentially what it refers to a personal leadership coach for people that know how to do what makes them look good but haven't given themselves permission to do what feels good. And this work focuses on helping overachievers to define a direction for their life, design their environment to support that new definition of success, and then move in the direction of their dreams with courage, clarity, and confidence. Wow. Okay. Maybe making an appointment soon. We'll see. Man, listen. (laughs) I got you. (laughs) Um, so in your bio, uh, it also states that you, uh, quote, help burned out super women free up time and energy to do the work that matters. Um, so what do you find the most common areas that the women you work with, um, focus on where they, where they could be shifting their energy and their time from? Mm, um, I would say the easiest way to answer that question is to think about, why clients come to me in the first place and how they even recognize we might be a fit. Mm-hmm. So um, my clients come to me feeling like they are one trigger away from a full-on meltdown. Like mm-hmm. these women are exhausted, but they're having a hard time sleeping. They're running on caffeine, willpower, and fumes. And they find themselves snapping at the people they care about most because they don't know where else to put this energy. Um, and... They're used to being everyone's rock, everyone's strength, everyone's support system, but they don't know who's there for them. So um, Mm. all they do know is that their current routine is not sustainable long-term, and so they're going to need to get a grip on their schedule and restore sense of control over their lives. So because the women that work with me are high performers and high achievers, they come to me thinking that they need time management support. And then um, they think they need to get organized and they think they need, you know, productivity tips and planning. But we end up working on their self-talk and their self-worth because that essentially 
is what's going on for them to think they have to keep hustling and grinding and working. Burnout comes from feeling that you need to prove your worth, mm. and so I teach them how to stop proving. Mm. And and how do you know when the work you're doing with with one of you know the women you're working with you know how do you, how do you know when when you've been successful when it's been effective what what type what kind of markers or indicators are you looking for? Mm-hmm. So my favorite testimonial is I said no to a request and didn't feel guilty about it. Okay. That that is how I know somebody is like they're growing in their leadership they're growing in their ability to set firm boundaries and they're not feeling like they have to have a reason to protect their energy. That's how I know that my work is effective. If they feel confident asking for what they want, if they feel comfortable saying no to what they don't want, and if they're practicing giving themselves the faith to feel ready for the world and feel ready for their days, then I know what, you know, my work is done. You know, it's interesting, you know, when you say that, when you think the term super women is, you know, it's usually women that, you know, you know, on the outside, you know, have everything under control. You know, they're, they're in charge. They they know what they're doing. They know what they want. They're handling all of these different things. And you really wouldn't think that those those women have difficulty saying no or difficulty really being who they truly are. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very, very interesting situation. Do you, how much time does it, I don't know, how difficult is that, I guess, to, to, to work through for, for some folks? I have found the sweet spot uh, for working with this type of client is 90 days. Mm. And so, wow. you know, there I don't believe in cookie cutter. So there are some women that are stuck on one specific project. Mm-hmm. And once they get their boundaries set around that, then we can have a four-hour VIP day and they're set. There are some women that um, may need to work with me ongoing for, you know, up to a year, a couple times a month, just to have extra support and insight and accountability. But I say the sweet spot is around three months because the first month is us just getting clear on, like, what have you been telling yourself that makes you feel this is what needs to be going on? And then the second month is, what would you like to be telling yourself? And the third month is, how are you going to practice enforcing what you are telling yourself now? So um, it's just a breakdown of creating a new story for your life, setting a new intention, and then making sure you're setting up your days your boundaries, your systems, your routine to honor who you say you want to be and not who you thought you had to be. Okay. So in what you have been doing, what um what do you enjoy the most about this? Like what is there one particular part in the whole process that 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 brings you the most joy? What what is what brings you the most joy? Hearing someone, oh, yeah, I get you. I get you. Um, <laughs> hearing a woman say, "I never realized that I had been telling myself that this long," or "I didn't realize that life didn't have to be that way." When I pointed out a blind spot and shown someone that something else is possible for how they show up in their lives, that is my favorite piece. That aha moment when they're like, "Oh shit, I didn't realize that." That that is my favorite moment and my favorite piece of this work. All right. And so what's been your proudest moment so far? Well, let's say your most recent it's proudest my life moment. This work. Well, you know what? Let, let, let's go on this work first and then tell me in your life. Okay. Um, my proudest moment in this work was probably 
I, I very recently closed out with a client. I'm not going to say her name, obviously. But I recently closed out with a client who has been sitting on the idea of publishing books that are essentially going to revolutionize the early childhood education like world. Mm. Um, she's, been, she's been sitting on these ideas for 13 years. Wow. And we had our first session in February, and she published all 25 of the books she had been sitting on in June. Oh, wow. 25 books? Yes. Wow. She's been From sitting February on this for 13 years, 13 and she years. was able to finally crank it out in three months. <laughs> that is phenomenal. Okay. Um, mm. What has been the biggest challenge? No, I'm sorry. Let's go back. Now your proudest moment in your life. Oh, um, the proudest moment in my life was yes. pulling myself out of a debilitating depression. A depression that I thought was going to consume me entirely. A depression that I did not realize I could get out of. I use these tools and put myself out of it. And I'm at a place where I'm happier than I've ever been. And that is, those are my receipts. Like, if anyone's ever asked, like, does what you say work? Like, those are my receipts. I am not depressed. I am more joyful than I've ever been. I feel more in control of my life than I've ever felt. Um, and I feel very confident that I can do uncomfortable emotions because I'm, I went to a really dark place and I'm not there anymore. So I think that's what I'm proud of. Wow. All right. Um, then through all of this, through all of this, what do you want your legacy to be when all is said and done in this work that you do with women? Um, what do you What do you want your legacy to be? I want to know that the paradigm was shifted from chronic burnout being the norm to being burnout proof being the norm. Mm. I want to understand, I want to know that because I was here and because I dared to show up and do the work that I feel passionate about, that women gave themselves permission to not have to settle for struggle and to not sign up for suffering to pay their dues on this earth. That's what I want to know. All right. And what is next for Dream Leap Live LLC? Well, I am currently working on a few projects. Um, I am hoping to launch my first group coaching program. I do a lot of live workshops, but I'm hoping to launch my first group coaching program before this year is up. Um, mm. I'm also working on a Delicious Living Day Planner and um, a Delicious Living Reflection Journal, Manifestation Journal. So oh. that that is what I have in the works right now. Okay. And this is my way to really hold myself accountable to it. This shit really happened. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. Well, uh, that uh, concludes the uh, formal portion of the interview. <laughs> 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 We're going to move to more uh, social, <laughs> socially focused questions. No. Um, so I, ble- I, I think I've told you this before. I'm not sure. Um, you know, I've always thought that things like music, food, and sports kind of unite people um, in, in, these, in these much darkened times. I think we need to take as many advantages of opportunities to, um, you know, be with each other um, as possible. But 
in terms of how I integrated that into the podcast, I just have a series of questions that kind of fall into these various categories. Um, and so you're going to answer some questions a little rapid fire style. So to do this, yes. I need five numbers from you between one and 69. Seven, 27, 33, 40, and, wait, 7, 27, 33, 40, and 69. 69, okay, and now I need one more number um, cinnamon buns ice cream. C- cinnamon buns ice cream. Okay, that. Uh, ben and Jerry is everything. Get your life. Yeah, no. <laughs> you can have that. <laughs> um, 27. <laughs> Get your life. What is your favorite book cinematic combination? Book cinematic combination? Eat, pray, love. Oh, okay. Well, that was quick, too. All right. 33. Which Disney character story does your life most resemble? Ooh, baby. Um, which Disney character story does your life most resemble? Oh. I want to say Princess Tiana. How so? Uh, well, she's black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also... She had a lot of darkness and voodoo and stuff happening around her, but she was able to turn that around and make her business dream come true. Yes, yes. Okay, now. All right. Number 40. If a movie was being made of your life and you could choose the actress to play you, who would you choose and why? Good. Let me, uh, I'm going to put on that for a second. Um. Um. I want to say Issa Rae. Okay. Why Issa Rae? I cannot tell you how many people have asked me if I'm familiar with the Awkward Black Girl series because they said, girl, that looks like your luck. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm like, clearly Issa Rae knows a little bit about how it feels to be me. <laughs> um, the uh, awkwardness, uh, the rapping in the mirror to yourself. Um, there's, there's a lot about how she does the show Insecure and how she did Awkward Black Girl. I just, I live, I stand. I love Issa Rae, so I would, I would be honored if she would betray me ever. All right, all right. Let's see if we can make that happen. Let's see if we can make that happen. <laughs> all right, and 69. <laughs> what physical activity relaxes you the most? Sleep. <laughs> okay. Hey. <laughs> Flat out. Flat <laughs> out. <laughs> but, okay, if, if, you, if I'm actually awake, I would say dancing and Afrobeat music. Okay, okay. I mean, I didn't have a problem with sleep. I mean, that was, that was fine with me. But all right. All right, and finally, number 23. Ooh. What would you do if you won the lottery? I think it depends on how much I won. You give me a number or no? Um, 
Powerball. Powerball. Uh, we're talking like Mega Millions. Uh, all right, Mega Millions. Uh, what, what's the Mega Millions? Is it what, 200 million? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know how much. It, I think this is a fun game, but it doesn't make any sense because I don't play the lotto. I choose myself. I'm going to have somebody choose me. But um, if I did believe I'm playing the lotto mm-hmm. and I won Mega Millions, the first thing I would do is get an attorney to protect me. Yes. Um, right after getting an attorney, I would pay off my student loans. I would, um, I would clear up all types of student loan debt or any, any debt that I have. And then I would, um, you want me to say what I would do with everything? I mean, definitely. No, I mean, you'd you'd be very responsible with your winnings. If Those you, are the first two, but then I would make sure that I split the other half between the I give half of whatever is left after student loan and the attorney to my parents, mm-hmm. and then the the half the other half of that I would use um for location independence, so traveling the world, mm-hmm. making sure I have you know just a space to really vacation. For real, for real, right. with the people I love, um, and then you know, giving to Black Lives Matter and certain charities and things that are for the uplift of people. Yes, yes. All right. Well, thank you very much, Adama. This uh, concludes our interview. But um, one last thing: is there anything you would like to plug or publicize, or you want to give us your information before we get out of here? Absolutely. Um, I would say if you are ready to get out of your head and into your highest level of leadership, if you are ready to stop settling for less and settle into a life of freedom, ease, and joy, I invite you to apply to work with me at bit.ly slash coach with Adama. All right. Well, thank you very much, Adama. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yes, it was. And I will be in touch. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you. Kiss my youngin' for me. <laughs> I will, I will. All right. Bye. I want to thank Adama for joining us this week. I truly value her friendship and her energy. Get in touch with her if you need a delicious living coach. You do. You know you do. All right. Let's get to our independent practice. How do we, I, apply today's lessons to our or my life, our, my community, the world? Well, I don't know about you, but here I go. This is this week's, this week's independent practice or food for thought, if you will. So uh, there are two points that Adama made that resonate with the most with me, and they are, one, that thoughts lead to feelings which lead to actions which bring about results, and two, designing the life you want. That made me think, you know, in this current climate about the freedom of one's thoughts to allow them to design their lives. When you're a child, you have that freedom. You act on instinct. What you think is tied to how you feel, you act on that and deal with the consequences, good or bad. Your world is what you see in your mind. As we grow older, our experiences put clamps on the creativity we once had. We find ourselves falling more in line with what society has made our lane. With this comes the normalcy of adult life. 
the daily routines that lead to new days of the same routine. Add to this every layer of responsibility stacked one on top of the other. Children, spouses, work duties, supervisors, subordinates, looking good, being in shape, eating healthy, studying, starting a business, grading papers, reviewing lessons. Oh, and don't let them see you crack. Gotta get everything done by myself and not let anyone know I'm stressing and depressing and thinking about bad things. Now, that's not the case for every person in existence, but it's a generalization that one would find difficult to push back too strenuously upon. Here's the thing. If it does apply to you, then once you have decided this is who you are, you then have to deal with those consequences, good and bad, internally and externally. One such external consequence being expectations. The expectations of those that rely on you with or without your knowledge, willingness, or consent. I'm thinking right now in particular about the Williams sisters, Venus and Serena. Their father thought, you know, there was a lack of women of color in the sport of tennis. I mean, it has been a while since Zena Garrison, if that's what he was thinking about. I don't know. I don't know the official story. I used to love Zena Garrison, by the way. (laughs) He felt the way that his daughters could be the best players ever. He acted on it by teaching them the game and providing them all the resources they needed to become the champions they were born to be. The results, champions, dominant, champions. But the consequences, you know, the bad results. We know about the fame and everything, the bad results. The ridicule, the racism, the sexism, the elitism, the white privilege, the media bias, and etc. But again, they became dominant. And remain so, to a certain extent. The one consequence that is rarely, if ever, discussed is the long list of expectations the black community has placed on them. What is wonderful, though, is how they've responded, always responded, and continue to respond. Talk about superwomen. Well, that's just it. I'm going to talk about Serena specifically here. She is looked at as, or has been looked at, as a superwoman in the sport. You know, she is the gold standard. But she's had to be. Because like every aspect of living as a black woman, she's had to be better, stronger, faster, sharper, smarter, work harder, play harder, fight harder. Than everybody else. What she's had to do harder than any other woman that plays tennis is respond with grace in every instance. She is constantly under fucking fire. She wins, there's an issue. She loses, there's an issue. She gets pregnant, has a baby, comes back sooner than she should have, there's an issue. She puts clothes on, there's an issue. She puts on different clothes, there's an issue. She gets it from older players, former players, other women, the media, white folks, men, everywhere, every direction. She gets something. Now, I don't know how she feels, you know what I'm saying? I just know what I see. So I, I, I'm, I'm internalizing that. Everywhere, y'all. But she still stands and serves and scores and wins. And we have watched her and grown with her. She's lived the life designed by her father and then began to design her own. And now she's living that life. 
perhaps that's why the expectations are so high. Warranted or not, you know, we've been there with it. That's, that's something we tend to do as a community, you know. <laughs> well, she has the right to expect the same from us, right? To expect the greatness from us. To expect that we design lives and live lives of purpose and power, right? She has, she has the right to have that expectation of us because she has set quite the example. Well, I tell you what. I got you, Serena. I got you. Now, on a side note, that winning is especially true against Maria Sharapova, who the media would have us believe is, uh, I say slightly as dominant. How about just have us believe that she's as good or able as Serena to this day when she never has been? Never was, never will be. Until last week, they had faced each other, I believe, uh, 22 times, with Serena winning 19 of those 22. Now, wouldn't you know that as they headed into that match last week, one newspaper asked readers about their favorite match between the ladies. And they showed a picture from 2004, the last time that woman beat Serena. What in the absolute fuck? favorite match. Child, pick any of them, uh, them 19 times. That's me. What, what are we doing? Hmm. Actually, after last week, now you can say 20. So let's pick any of the 20. How about my favorite to be this latest? Because y'all thought y'all was going to get something out of that picture. Y'all tried it. Y'all tried it. Ooh. And I love the husband shade. I can't remember his name. Y'all, y'all know what he do. With that dare t-shirt. <laughs> we ain't forgot Serena could have never got caught doping and had somebody find a picture the last time she beat somebody and put it up in 2019 please she wouldn't have the endorsements she has she would be still being ridiculed but you know what she'd have pushed through it because that's what we gotta do and I'm gonna leave you with that all right, that's what I got. What you got? Let's take a break so we can think on it. Seven things break, if you will. Seven things in five minutes to be added to the list of Frank's 10,000 dope things about the world. Hey, I like that song. I might sing that again. So, this week's seven things in five minutes are actually seven people. Many of which I wouldn't know if not for my work at Cesar Chavez Public Charter School. Uh, my first one this week is Adama, you know? I don't even need to explain that, I don't think. But, her presence in my life has been invaluable. I am. Uh, I love her, and I'm glad she's my friend. All right. Number two, Steve Paharis, Senior Manager of Projects and Support at the Next Step PCS. I started working with Steve at Chavez, actually, almost 10 years ago. He has and continues to support the entire staff, wherever he is, with grace and humor. I absolutely love this dude. Absolutely love him. Number three. Deneen Keaton, 
or ketone, as I like to call her, uh, former president, president, former principal, Cesar Chavez, public charter school for public policy. Yes, where I met Steve. At. Um, I don't know that I've had a principal that I have had more respect for than Janine Keaton. Um, her energy from the very start um, was serious yet, I don't know, open. Like, I know that's not the opposite of serious, but, you know, it was uh, intense yet uh, purposeful. And I know purposeful and intensity seem like they should go together, but it's just like she... I don't know, man. Effortless ain't what it looked like. <laughs> but um, the way she she moved in and out of spaces and how she interacted with people. I always dug. You know, she loved kids. She was about the business of kids, <laughs> students, educating, growing young minds. Um. You know, just had a healthy respect for appreciate her. Number four, Dr. Jonathan Mathis, executive director at the Next Step PCS. Um, his leadership and mentorship and support have been outstanding professionally, academically, and personally, and I value his trust. Um, and I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, number five, Brandy Shelton, also the next step PCS colleague um, you know all I can say is that her friendship and insight are no match for her radical dopeness glad she's in my life number six Dr. Tara Doty or as she likes to be called Dr. Tara um, if you remember she was the very first guest on Blatant Frankism. And if you don't, go back and listen. If you didn't hear, go back and listen. If you do remember and you did listen, still go back and listen again. She is very well-versed and experienced in trauma-informed care and how to train groups and organizations on how to interact with one another appropriately and ethically and morally and socially. And <sighs> she is engaging as well as informative and inspirational. And number seven, Zamara Perry. As I mentioned last week, I am in a Facebook group called the Black Lesbian Love Lab. Apologies, last week I said lounge. I'm not sure what I was doing or focused on. But it is the Black Lesbian Love Lab on Facebook. She started as an online blog, and it has grown. Um, and so I've been a member for a few months, and it has truly changed my life in a certain um, number of ways. And that's not an overstatement. That is the truth, the actual factual. So she is our guest for next week's show. Make sure you listen up. All right. That's my seven things or people in five minutes that will be added to the list of Frank's 10,000 dope things about the world this week. What are your seven? Think on it. So let's close this week out. Again, your forever homework is to hashtag build your table. Find the best space and place for you to affect change. Lean into it, and I mean lean into it fully. And create opportunities for others to do the same. Then tell me about it. Again, as an educator, I have an open door policy. Get at me. 
on the web that's www.blatantfrankism.com that's www.thelettabblatantfrankism.com on email at bfrankism at gmail.com that's the letter b f-r-a-n-k-i-s-m at gmail.com and then on youtube facebook twitter and instagram at blatant frankism that's the letter b l-a-t-a-n-t f-r-a-n-k-i-s-m as for the powerball we didn't win last week but we'll keep playing today's powerball numbers are 7 27 33 40 69 and the powerball is 23 if you win pay it forward or put it back into the community want to thank my ongoing in perpetuity sponsor crafty nubian sister if you um have need for any gear that's looking like the gear somebody you're with is wearing you know some group activities you need to be dressed alike for you know i don't know kings of Maine is coming up I, no uh if you for real though if you need if you need some paraphernalia some merchandise for an event please get it crafty nubian sister that's C-R-A-F-T-E-E-N-U-B-I-A-N-S-I-S-T-A-H Crafty Nubian Sister on Facebook. So, today and always, don't forget to check on somebody. And if you need somebody to check on you, let them know. Alright, that's it for this week. Get at me.